You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. No, no such thing. No such thing. But anyway, carry on. Carry on. Get your questions and comments ready. Give us a call. You know how to do it. Click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone and call or call us at 699-968-33. Ah, I know that by heart. Uh, enter the meeting code and password and you will be in the Earl Green Room. Yes. Earl will talk with you and then he'll patch you through to us and we'll just chat. We'll have a grand old time talking about the current episode of Discovery But to Connect. And it's the last episode uh, before the break. So they're going on an unexpected little uh, early in the season hiatus. So <laughs> it's like like two weeks, two weeks yeah. notice. We're going on a break. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> And then, and then they'll be back on uh, February 10th. So um, glad for all of that. We'll just kind of sit by. We are going to take this show on a little bit of a hiatus because, hey, we can and we should. We got other things coming up, which we'll talk to you about in just a moment. Now is the perfect time for you to get logged in and chat with Earl, and he will put you in the Earl Green Room. But until then, let's say hi to the people who are there in the Facebook chat with us. There's Eddie saying hello from the frozen north. Um, you know, I heard from my parents last night, and it is the frozen south there too so you could be frozen anywhere apparently right now. i was frozen over the weekend you were frozen over the weekend yeah, see yeah. frozen southern california so there are frozen yeah. areas in southern california and let me tell you my truck got stuck in the snow my truck does not like snow oh yeah not good it. not good very little like snow down here uh we've got uh bob amos saying uh hello we've got kim <laughs> we've got paul apparently we have a paul fector right away we've got paul paul and paul all joining us we've got alan and uh he's the representative of iowa votes present yes so alan is here uh we've got who else here we got carlos we got david hoping for another dave as well showing up at some point we've got john arminio uh we've got let's see here who else oh wait a minute eddie says uh you you southern folks are always so fancy. I believe he's talking to Alan about that. And then uh, we got Mike and we got uh, other people. So welcome every other people. Welcome one and all. And Cooley. Hi, Cooley. Cooley. Excellent. He says, Happy New Year, gentle beings. Happy New Year to you as well. And Happy New Year to everybody who's watching. So like I said, we're going to catch you up very quickly here on the news happening in Mission Log Land, and then we'll jump right into the recap and then right into our comments, your comments and your questions and your thoughts. And I can't wait because I'll, I'll spoil it right now. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this episode. Yeah. 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 All right. So this episode of Disco and this episode of Mission Log Live, this is the last aired before a little break. So Disco will be back February 10th of 2022. I think Mission Log Live will be back before then, at least a week back before then, probably with a guest or something topically driven to ease us back into our coverage of Disco. And we'll just uh, we'll follow where the show goes. But we get to take a little break and um, we'll be talking to you about an event that we're doing during the break. So you don't want to miss that. Um, we were off from regular Mission Log last week during the week of New Year's, uh, but we will be back this week, this Thursday, with When It Rains. And yeah, we're winding down our coverage of DS9. We will have some very special supplemental episodes coming up, a little retrospective, maybe an interview, talking about DS9 as a whole, and some other surprises. So stay tuned. Some of that will be Patreon-exclusive. 
So that's your uh, your bid to come join us over on Patreon. And uh, Mission Log Prodigy. Now, that is actually coming back tomorrow, uh, January 4th, with a special podcast supplemental you do not want to miss. It's the Hageman Brothers. So Norm Yay! sat down with uh, Dan and Kevin, and I cannot wait for people to hear this interview. So if you haven't picked up Mission Log Prodigy, I mean, you should be listening to it anyway, but go get this episode because it is great. Great little behind the scenes look at the development of Prodigy and they are too cool. So don't miss it. Go to the Roddenberry Entertainment Channel on YouTube and you can watch it or you go to podcast.roddenberry.com and follow it however you like to follow podcasts. And then very soon after, because Prodigy comes back on the 6th, Ashley and Norman will be back reviewing episode six their comments, their commentary, and your comments as well. Remember, we love to hear from kids who are watching Prodigy, so make sure you send us those voice memos. And finally, Mission Log Orville, to keep quantum driving forward with new episodes every week, hosted by Mike Richards and Jessica Lynn Verde. And you can find them at Roddenberry YouTube or on podcast.roddenberry.com. Now, we released two episodes last week, and we'll premiere episode 12, Mad Idolatry, this week on Wednesday. So don't miss the audio cast. And if you can, join us at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for the live chat premiere of the video feed in YouTube. So just go to youtube.com slash Prod. Look for all of our channels there, Mission Log Prodigy, Mission Log Orville, subscribe to them all, and go uh, go hang out with the hosts when they do their thing. It's a blast. It's really good. So all much right. news. So much news. So much happening. Mission Log has so much news now. It's exciting. <laughs> it is, right? And you're a part of it. And that's very exciting. When I say you, I mean you specifically, and I mean you, everybody who's watching and listening. So... Cheers to you all. This is medicinal. This is going to get me through the recap. Are you ready? <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a sore throat thing, so I just got to make sure that I'm in prime shape to do this. Okay. This is what Dr. McCoy ordered. All right. Here we go. Discovery Season 4, Episode 7, dot, 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 but to connect. I love the ellipses. They, they, I put them wherever I can. I, I, too many ellipses. Discovery is under repair after being nearly eaten last week. Meanwhile, Zora is crunching away on the numbers to try to determine an origin point for the beings that created the DMA and narrows it down to 147 likely places, and someone just got a royalty. 47! (laughs) That's what I wanted. Cross-referencing that with the sphere data, Zoro then narrows it down to one place, which is great news. Only Zora is concerned that by revealing the location, that will put the crew of Discovery in terrible danger. So she's not sharing anything, which is bad news. If you need to talk an artificial intelligence out of its questionable behavior, you probably need to call in Dr. David Cronenberg, which is just what Captain Burnham does. Burnham insists that she can take care of Zora and get the information they need, but Dr. Cronenberg says this is his domain, plus Burnham has to get back to the Federation Assembly, where everyone will be discussing what to do about the DMA. There are basically two opposing sides. Contact whomever made the DMA when uh, we had the intel about who they are, where they are, or go in, guns blazing, and wipe them out. One person who has a novel approach... Oh, hello, Tarka. 
Well, everyone has been debating. He's been working on a weapon that can destroy the energy source at the heart of the anomaly. Having been acutely affected by the DMA, Book is fully on board with this plan. All Tarka needs is discovery and its spore drive. And Captain Burnham is not too keen on the isolytic explosion that the weapon will use. There could be all kinds of side effects crippling warp power in the sector. The explosion could travel back through the wormhole and destroy or provoke the beings on the other side. It's too risky. So President Rillac calls a recess. Meanwhile, on Discovery, some people, like Stamets, see Zora as a potential threat. Others are more curious about this emerging intelligence, not the least of which is Zora trying to make sense of how and why she became fully sentient. More pragmatically, Dr. David Cronenberg expresses that he has the right to remove Zora's consciousness, but in a show of good faith, Zora produces her own kill switch should the Discovery crew ever feel threatened. That seems totally reasonable to Stamets, but not so much to Saru or Kolber, certainly not to Gray or Adira. Zora states that the switch does not indeed run counter to her primary function, which is to protect the crew of Discovery, a directive she came up with herself. Back at the assembly, Book and Burnham have a definite disagreement about their relative approaches to the DMA. He needs to take a walk to cool off. And just then, President Rilak approaches Burnham about the upcoming vote. As president, she can't take sides because reasons. But it sure would be nice if Burnham gave a rousing speech to get people to side with diplomacy. Book is firmly in Tarka's camp on this, and Tarka is relying on Book's power of persuasion and his rather close connection with what the DMA has done to him. Oh, and Tarka really wants all this to happen because that power source would get him to his new home in the mirror universe. Nope, not that mirror universe. Uh, Another one, a better one, presumably. The assembly reconvenes and Book makes his case. It's personal, it's passionate, and he may have won over a lot of delegates to his side. Ooh, but he didn't count on Berna making a speech of her own. She did not skip those classes in speech making at the academy, and it serves her well here. When the vote is taken, Burnham's plea for diplomacy wins the day. So great. No dangerous weapon. We let the nature of our better angels guide us and hold that thought, please. Back on Disco, the team are narrowing down that part, that one little unidentifiable bit of Zora that seems to be the link to what developed her consciousness. It's a depiction of the discovery, her crew, its dreams, or at least a segment from a clip show, but more like dreams of the things that Zora values. And this is a totally unique emergent property in Zora since no other AI can dream. Stamets seems to be the last holdout and fully accepting Zora, but then he speaks directly to her interface saying he needs her trust in order to trust her. They have to meet halfway. Zora reflects and commends the Discovery crew for constantly acting for each other and for the good of the Federation. She'll share the coordinates. Stamets has really come around. He's been giving it a lot of thought, and it occurs to him that Zora could actually be enlisted in the Starfleet as a specialist, becoming a part of the crew. Zora is elated at the idea, and it's a good solution to Dr. David Cronenberg, who has been evaluating the whole process since Zora is indeed a new life form and not just an AI, 
he would have recommended Stamets be reassigned if he had proposed otherwise. Elsewhere on the ship, Gray says goodbye to Adira. It's time to go to Trill under the Guardian's care and experience that for a while. They say their own goodbye before Culber and the others wish Gray well. Also saying goodbye is Saru, who drops off a plant from Kaminar for Tarina as a gift. Oh, is that a little smile creeping on Tarina's stern Vulcan face? Oh, you too. Finally, in book ship in the Discovery shuttle bay, Tarka beams in with a portable next-gen spore drive. He and Book are going to go it alone. But before they do, Book drops off grudge and a farewell message in Burnham's quarters. When she finds it and realizes what's happening, she's too late and can only watch as Book's ship leaves the hangar and jumps to wherever. The end. Yay! Yay! I, I, look, I knew right away that 47 just, you know, had to and get someone that. Someone in chat was like, is it 47 or is it 147? Listen, <laughs> 47, 74, mm-hmm. divisible numbers of 40s. Like, they all count. Even yeah. remember uh, the 4077 when David yeah. Ogden Steers was mm-hmm. in uh, Next Gen. They all count. And any combination of four and seven. And they're all a joke. He they're said, all a joke. He said, oh, I think they're making fun of it now. Always have been, dude. Always have oh, been yeah. making fun always, of it. Always, always, always. That is critical. <laughs> hey, uh, we have so many people lined up, and I am absolutely thrilled. So we do have uh, the first person coming up is actually uh, phone only. So we're going to say hi. I believe that is Leo, who is on the phone. Leo, you are welcome here. How's it going tonight? Oh, seems like Leo is muted at the moment. I'm muted. Oh, Leo, can you unmute yourself? If not, it's okay. Oh, there we go. Hello. Hey, Leo. How's it going? Fantastic technological error over here. I am well. Happy New Year to everybody, Senor Champion, Senora Amos. Hey, Happy New Year to you, and thank you for that greeting. Uh, Pleasure to have you with us. So, look, the question of the hour, what's on your mind about tonight's episode of Disco? You know, it's just some observations that I wanted to get your uh, your thoughts on. Um, Discovery's kind of been conspicuously quiet about what's been going on in like the Delta Quadrant and the Gamma Quadrant. So my ears like perked up when they said we have representatives from all four quadrants here. And I was expecting, you know, who are we going to see? Is it going to be a Kazon or Herogen, somebody? And then I was kind of disappointed when we didn't see anybody. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe they're holding back you know, information about these two quadrants for a reason. And, you know, another thought that occurred to me, why not try to contact the prophets? They created a wormhole artificially. that has been stable for maybe a thousand years. Oh, um, you know, maybe they have some insight into something like that. Um, and it would be nice just to have a hint, like what's going on over there. Um, in the same way, you know, what's going on in the Delta quadrant, uh, you know, I'm sure they don't want to spoil prodigy but i don't think it would be a big spoiler to say that the federation did expand out there didn't expand out there just you know what's been going on or or maybe even a deep cut why not the um the backup hologram or the back the the doctor's backup hologram from living witness from the vasican and the curian system (laughs) Ah, nice okay i mean there's 
Yeah. Possibilities, possibilities. I, okay, I, I love all of this that you just brought up because what, one of my notes actually was to say that I thought everybody in that Federation Assembly looked great. But I like the makeup looked great, the costumes looked great. I was so glad. And I forget the name and the species, but that uh, that all white alien with the, uh, you know, that we met early on in the season, that fortunately was oh, the not butterfly just, dudes. The, the, yeah, butterfly the butterfly dudes. People. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great name for them. Um, I was glad to see that that wasn't just a blow off thing. Like there is actually some resonance. And then look, there they are saying, no, 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 no. We, we get it. Like we, we get that there can be an altruistic diplomatic answer here that maybe not everybody's going to get, but it's worth it. I mean, um, there was a lot of species there, though. I feel like there was a lot. There were. But then I kind of wondered this. Um if there are representatives from all these other places, well, even in the last thousand years or 930 years since Discovery jumped, they all have had only conventional warp drive. And then at a certain point, no warp drive. Right. So Discovery is the only ship that could theoretically just jump from one quadrant to another. So even if you're in a ship powered by conventional warp drive, it still would take decades potentially to get Uh, from the farthest reaches. But how do you know that Discovery didn't go pick up a bunch of these people? they They also did say that a number of the delegates were appearing virtually. Yeah, there were. And and not in person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was a, I mean, hey, that's a, that's, that's very COVID reminiscent. Uh, It Uh, raises a lot of great questions, though. It's like, (laughs) where, where are the Borg by this time? Where are the Kazon? Where are the Herogen? Where, and like you said, Leo, where are the prophets? Like, this is all, they, they could be setting us up to tie in some much deeper cuts, a much broader Star Trek. Because, uh, hey, look, this season we got our first Ferengi. So, you know. Yeah, the Ferengi was there. There was a Betazoid there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very excited or, to see how about the exactly. How about the founders? Yeah, oh, I, I mean, sure. yeah. the, founder, uh, the founders have occurred to me, too, just throughout this uh, entire storyline. They've occurred to me, so have the prophets. Which, by the way, you mentioned the prophets. How do we know that the prophets aren't the ones that are that created the DMA? <laughs> Uh, I don't trust the prophets. So yes, I don't trust I think the prophets either. No, 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 no. Yeah, so that that could very well be the case. I mean, <laughs> so, or maybe it's a long lost paw race. Uh, oh, yeah. there we go. <laughs> hey, uh, Leo, I love this. If you've got a uh, a parting thought, I'll ask you to share it with us now because I got a bunch of people lined up, and I'd love to hear what other people are saying too. You got it. My parting thought is this: Remember, no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> Leo, I love it. Thank you. Take care and call back. All right. You got it. Cheers. See, Holly, he did. uh, Leo did exactly what is a Star Trek cut, which is you've got to have a Buckaroo Banzai reference every now and then for good measure. So like if you've got 47 in there plenty of times, as as we well know, Buckaroo Banzai shows up in many, many places in Trek. So that was entirely appropriate. Yeah. So many references to other yes. things that then become a joke. It's my favorite. <laughs> I do love it because uh, it reminds us we're just watching a show. You know, it's just a show. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to our next caller calling from the frozen Northwest. It is our old friend, Chris. Chris, how's it going tonight? Hey, guys. Doing good. Doing good, good to see you. Cheers to you, by the way. Yes. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah. All Um, right. How's it going tonight? What is on your mind? Good. No, I really like this episode because Discovery finally figured out it could do the like talky diplomacy bits 
and it actually did them really well. Both the A plot and the B plot were like, let's just mm-hmm. stand around and talk about stuff. And yeah, no, no, uh, no pew pew explosions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like in season one they would have just cut to like Booker and Tarka like blowing that thing up. They would have just alighted the whole Congress, whatever. But the, yeah. the, that I, I was like, good for you, Discovery Writers Room, figuring stuff out. You can and, do this. And you know what? I, I have to wonder if it was written like this on the page or if it was a decision made in editing. But I really appreciated that scene where they're cutting back and forth between the conversation with Stamets and Zora and then the argument in the assembly. I, I thought it, like... Yeah, it was a little heavy-handed, it was a little obvious, but I still appreciated it because I appreciated the confidence of this episode to just let the characters talk. And that is what I've been waiting for for so long, you know? But we just, like, for any complaints that we can level against this as being like, well, you know, they're retreading obvious themes. Like, okay, fine. But they're doing it in an interesting way, and they're doing it not always in the obvious way, particularly when it comes to the AI situation with Zora. So I, I appreciated it. Just let them hang out. Let them talk. Let them figure out their problems. Thought the it was se- all good. the sequence at the end where we're going back and forth between Burnham and Stamets talking, mm-hmm. and they're, they're both you know speaking to their own plots that are going on. Yep. But the connection, I thought that that was... Uh, fantastic editing. Yeah, it was very cool. No, it was yeah. really clever. I, again, when they started mirroring the dialogue, I was like, okay, maybe you've gone a step too far. <laughs> when they start saying <laughs> yeah. the same lines, but like with different like verbs, I'm like, okay, that's maybe yeah. a bit much. But yeah, um, I really liked it. About Zora, this is a critical, I think, make or break question for season 4B. Mm. Is So Zora has joined Starfleet, is shortly going to join Starfleet. Does Discovery the ship get one of the terrible season four uniforms? And if so, where does the uneven hem go? <laughs> that is the important question. That is so good. <laughs> On one of the nacelles, I feel like it should... With, with, a, with a nacelle, just drifts a little back oh and yeah. the other one yeah. stays where it... Yeah. 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 That's, That's funny. <laughs> now, I really liked... I You know, I, I feel like they're not overplaying Zora too much because the first time watching the episode and even in the lead up where we get the little hints of Zora developing uh, an emotional connection and then not sharing information very much shades of 2001 and and you go like oh okay this is a computer that could use logic to a very detrimental end. But then you add in this thing, something we talk about on Mission Log all the time and and just makes for good science fiction. It's like you have to add in the element of compassion and emotion to temper that pure logic. I mean, that's Spock's story. That, that, that's so many of these characters. That's Data's story. That, that's so many of these others. I, I think Zora is a nice fit for that theme that has been persistent in Star Trek. No, yeah, de- and what I was thinking, especially on rewatches and thinking about, like, she has emotions, but also has control of all the weapon systems and stuff. <laughs> to me, what came to mind was like, oh, this is Vic Fontaine. If we actually talked about all of Vic Fontaine's powers and just <laughs> didn't let him, like, do 60s stuff. Because, as we know, Vic hacked into whatever it is he hacked into in that one yeah. episode. And we just kind of rushed past that. <laughs> but it seems like we're actually diving into that with Zora, which should be fun. And in all seriousness it could be really interesting where this goes that is a a very good point and and i i wondered like 
there are so many little moments you could unpack in this episode. There, there was something that I thought about with Zora creating that safety switch, you know, quote unquote safety. And, and there's something so dark and self-defeating about that, um, that, that I, I thought they could have even spent more time picking apart. And I, I hope it was very obvious to the audience anyway, how this is a terrible thing that uh, either this computer feels, you know, feels we're using that in kind of very interesting quotes there feels like it is misunderstood enough or, um, or is just reacting in a way that the, people around her will understand to create the, its own doomsday device, its own suicide button. There's something very dark about that and very disturbing about that. And to even frame it as this way of like, well, it exists, but we'll never have to use it, I'm sure. I mean, it just like the very idea of that I thought was uh, was disturbing. I mean, you know, it, it's somebody, it's the equivalent of somebody showing up with a gun to your head and saying like, hey, you just keep doing what you're doing. You're fine. Nothing to worry about here unless you get out of line. But other than I, I like, that, we're okay. Yeah, yeah I, I like the sort of the follow-up sequence of that when Stamets is talking to Saru. He's like, well, you have to follow the rules and stuff. And it basically boils down to, yes, if I break the rules, I don't get shot. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You get, like yeah. the worst is you get thrown in the brig, right? Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Die. But it was just this interesting thing. They were just like the very existence of that thing, which is a weapon, basically. Like the very existent totally changes the dynamic for the worst <laughs> of everything that's going on. So it was gratifying to see it get destroyed at the end of the episode. Uh, Chris, any other thoughts before we go to our next caller tonight? Uh, I hope we see more of Professor Cronenberg because he's always a welcome face. Uh, but yeah, You're right. this has been. This has been a really good season. Um, the writing has been really strong, and I can't wait to see where they go in 4B. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, I, you know, I keep hoping that uh, at some point, if um, President Rilek needs to go do something else, because look, let's face it, this is twice now that she has not stuck her neck out for anything. Okay? Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, boy, this is a really tough situation. Burn them. Go fix it. You know, so look, if she needs to go do something else and we need to have uh, uh, like a recall election or something and President David Cronenberg is in our future, I'm here for it. I'm totally good with it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, thanks for calling in, man. We'll see you soon. All right. See you guys. Take care. Can I give a tiny bit of trivia? I think you should. This is a perfect trivia time. I just learned this and I would like everybody else to learn it with me. Uh, We mentioned the butterfly people earlier. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. They're Alshane. They're from Alshane 4, so they're Alshane. Alshanian? Alshane. Okay, okay. So uh, Liu, who is the emperor, and that's the guy that we see, and he's the one that talks in the episode that we first meet him in, and then he was in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an Alshane male, so Alshane. Not Alshanian, okay. Alshane. Alshane, okay. Uh, Leo is the name of one of the cats who plays Grudge. Oh, look at that. Uh, that's You're very named cool. after the dog. <laughs> it's a very Indiana Jones thing, you guys. Yeah. But I just we named the that. dog Indiana. Yeah. yeah so, that's good. Okay. That's my tidbit of trivia for the evening. I love that. And I think those, the, <laughs> the, Al, Al, wait, what did you call them again? Al Shane. Al Shane. The Al Shane look really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I'm glad to see more of them. I'm glad it wasn't just. I'd like that. to know how much of it is practical makeup and how much mm-hmm. of it is is computer generated CGI. 
Look, that, that is one thing that I will say as a complaint about discovery sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes because they rely so heavily on um, the uh, silicone appliances yep. mm-hmm. where normally you would have just like, you know, a painted effect or something. Sometimes that comes across as very plasticky. You know, silicone could be used to great effect sometimes and then other times when you have a combination of cg and and an appliance like on linus he looks great all the time and there was somebody in the assembly who was like kind of blue and had big bulbous eyes look great yeah that whatever that was looked awesome we're in an age in which like practical makeup isn't really a necessity because we have such good cgi and i'm over here like no i want more practical makeup you guys well, because it's the blend. It's the blend that does really well. It's yeah. like, you know, think back to uh, the Pirates movies and, you know, Davy Jones is, is a blend of like all of this, all the tentacle stuff is CG, but you have to have the, the physical appliance. Right. So you get the actor's expression in there too. And like that works really well. But sometimes on disco, I feel like they take it too far and it just looks like a plastic mask, you know? So, eh, what can you do? All right, let us go over to our next caller who has been patiently standing by. It's Kim. Kim, all the way from Starfleet headquarters. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, John and Holly. You know, good. My, my windows show sunny. Yes. But in actuality, there's a bunch of snow out there and it's really cold. Is there? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I had my share. I had my share of snow for two days. I'm good for a couple of years. Yeah, me too. <laughs> About three days worth of shoveling, but uh, yeah, yeah. So this uh, this last episode before the hiatus that was sprung on us, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was it, it was decent. It was good. I liked the way that they uh, build Zora up for Calypso. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that's a good build. Getting into that. Um. There's a couple things about the episode that I really didn't care for. I like the back and forth that was kind of going on and stuff that was going on with the assembly with book and uh, Dr. What's his face. Tarka. Uh, Tarka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who I love. I love him. Do yeah. you? Do, do I, you love him or do you love to hate him? Cause... No, I, I love him. Really? Okay. Legitimately. Okay. Like, okay. He's I, fantastic. Yeah. I like his, his delivery, but. It's also kind of like eh, rubbing me a little bit wrong, but I think he's supposed to, though. Like, I feel like there's a level of Kai Win to him where everybody's like, Oh, I hate Kai Win. I'm like, You're supposed to. <laughs> and there's but- a weird turn of events where I'm like, I really like Kai Win because she's terrible and I hate her. <laughs> like, that's how I feel about Tarka. He's fantastic. But it's because the actor is doing such a good job at making you really, really not trust or like him. See, I, I wonder, though, and yes, he does do a great job at that. But I, I do wonder sometimes, it's like every time we bring in a new character, do they always have to start out antagonistic? It's like take Jet Reno, who I love. But, you know, is as soon as we... Or did they hire a Santa comedian? Well, okay, there, there is that, there is that. But but Tarka, even when we first met Vance, and you know, come on, Doctor David Cronenberg, straight up weirdo, but I love him. Um, 
but it's like every time we get a new character, they're a they, mystery. They're strange and they're yeah. they're just kind of surly and and antisocial. And then you got to break through to get them. Well, to I think that's okay. a level of I think that's a level of writing style, right? Where mm-hmm. you want there to be a certain level of mystery, so that there's like this big reveal at some point. Like I'm mm. sure Tarka is going to have some. I mean, I feel like there was a little bit of a reveal in this episode. Yeah. By the way. Uh, his motivation, super selfish. I'll admit that. I think he's a great character. Oh, yeah. His motivation is not great, though. He's like, yeah. he's one person that wants to get to one, I mean, mirror, it's not really the mirror universe, it's some other mirror universe <laughs> where apparently everything is like super special and perfect. Is mm-hmm. that where he wants to multiverse. go? Yeah. Multiverse. Yeah. So yeah. Multiversity. I, I like that, that mirror universe. To. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's where he wants to go, but that's why he needs the you know, the power source of, of the DMA. And I'm like, that's just for you. So you can go meet your, your former colleague. Like, look, I seriously, all he needs to do is go back through the archives of DS nine and he will probably find the plans for that tiny little <laughs> interdimensional transport. Yeah. He was like, Oh, some dude named smiley created this a thousand years ago. We can just use that and go wherever we want. So wild to me, though, is that like he wants to do this thing that I mean, sure, it could save the universe, but also mm-hmm. like the argument is that, you know, it could screw up warp drive in that area. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that it could sure. mess up, like these repercussions. And I feel like he's like, I don't care because I won't be here. <laughs> right, right. Right. I mean, it, he is a very interesting character. He definitely rubbed me the wrong way the first time around because I was like, okay, come on, one more guy who's just an insufferable jerk. And Kim, I, you, you know, the first time I watched this episode, that cutting back and forth felt gimmicky. It, it felt like a, just kind of a, somebody flexing in the editor's room. Then watching it a second and third time to prep for the show, maybe because I knew it was coming, I appreciated it more. So I was paying less attention to the cuts as I was thematically what was going on. And and that just sort of spoke to the part of me that wants Star Trek to be talky and high-minded and philosophical. I was like, yeah, go more of this, more of this. Yeah, I've got to say that after my second or third watch, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Right. The first time around, it was like, uh, what are they doing? Um, so after the second, I'm going to agree with you on that, John, that after the second or third watch that it, it started to work for me. I've got to say the best scene of all was at the end, which technically is the hiatus cliffhanger mm-hmm. and the best use of personal transporters I've seen yet was when Burnham said she walks in her quarters and there's Grudge. Yeah. And of course the line with Zora, where's Grudge? And, you know, 50, you know, whatever. Five meters away. Five meters away. Yeah. Yeah. And then she personal transports to where his ship is and watches him transport, you know, and, you know, sport drive out. That's the best use I've seen of personal transport yet. That was great. That, that was very cool. Although I do still wonder with the personal transporter, like what is the process to get you exactly to where you want to go? Do you just think about it? Because that seems to be all they do. I would screw that up constantly. I would end up in walls. I would end up in the wrong place all the time. Scotty would be very disappointed in you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. <laughs> like Linus, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 
By the way, I just want to jump over here really quickly because uh, we, we've got so many great callers lined up and uh, so many uh, good aspects of this conversation. I bet in the chat, don't want to ignore you folks. Uh, uh, Evelyn, Michael, Michael says, uh, please tell me they aren't building up the whole season to be a dream sequence. I don't think so. I don't think so, Michael. I would lose my mind, though. That would actually be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and then Matthew says, uh, and then we get another bizarre guardian of forever reveal. Uh, okay. I, maybe that's still in the running. Um, I, I'd be very interested to see uh, to see what happens. And then Evelyn says, so, John, you are the Linus? Yes, I have the Linus. <laughs> wait, wait, if this is revealed to be a dream, though, then then like there's an AI within the dream having a dream. Like, how deep are we going with the dream thing? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I that doesn't seem like Star Trek style to do that, really. <laughs> so I I don't think it would. But you know what? I, here's the thing, though. I'm smart enough to not put money on it, though, Michael. So uh, just kind of pin that thought, and uh, we'll see what happens here in well several weeks when all of this gets revealed. Uh, Kim, any other thoughts before we uh, move along? Uh no, I'm good. Great. All right. Thanks for having me on. See you, Don well, Holly. Pleasure to see you and stay warm, okay? Oh, yeah. I'll try. You, everybody else, too? Yeah. All right. Cheers. File on a bunch of sweaters. That's there you I go. Did. That's, that's what you do. I don't do snow well, you guys. I spent, I spent New Year's in the snow and I was. <laughs> enough. Enough of that. that. That was enough. I did meet the mayor of Idlewild, though, who is a dog. Hey, like literally or use yeah literally a dog his okay. name is his name's mayor max the second and he wow. he was is the successor to mayor max the first wow that's that, that's adorable what kind of dog he is a golden retriever oh yeah and he has some he has some deputy uh oh. mayors who are also golden retrievers and we were all very upset about you know why just dogs and then come to find out that they have a new deputy mayor who is a black cat Imagine how better the world would be if every mayor was a golden retriever. <laughs> I mean, listen, he barks for treats. That's like that's that's the extent. I was so excited to meet him, you guys. I, I understand like, that. I understand I messaged that them on Facebook and was like, where are you guys gonna be? This was like New Year's Eve. I was like, yeah. where are you guys gonna be? And they're like, Oh, we'll be in downtown Idlewild, we'll be at the the store with the hat on the top big the big hat at four o'clock. I get at four o'clock, I'm like, Where's the mayor? <laughs> <laughs> he pulls up. He pulls up in his little van, and they open up the back, and he's like, rrr, 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 rrr. "It was great, you guys." Oh was, my god, it was All right. the weirdest that, thing I've ever done in my life. That's awesome, and I love it so much. Um, hey, look, we've got Alan lined up. We've got Paul. We've got Cherie. We're getting to you in just mere moments. I have to let everybody know about two things. One. Join us on Patreon. You know that by now. Patreon.com slash mission log. It is a blast. You get the Discord. You get early access. You just get fun and conversation. Let me tell you, the show was off last week, but Norman texted me the morning of the 30th, and he was like, hey, let's just go hang out in Discord for a while, and let's do a live chat. And I'm so glad that we did because it was great. It was just a hangout, and it was a blast, and we get to do that kind of thing kind of on a schedule, but then also just for fun. So um, join us, patreon.com slash mission log. Now, more important than that right now, though, mark your calendar, block out a big chunk of time, 
Saturday, January 15th from noon to now it's seven o'clock. Yes, we've run over our allotted time, noon to seven o'clock Pacific time. Trek Geeks uh, Podcast Network, Roddenberry Podcast, we are teaming up to support the Hollywood Food Coalition. And you've heard us talk about it before. Uh, Our friend John Billingsley and David Livingston, both members of the board there, they do incredible work. They serve a hot meal 365 days a year without fail. And they provide all kinds of services and support to uh, LA area homeless. It is a vital and necessary uh, organization and they do great work. Now we're hosting a fundraiser to help them out. And this fundraiser is crazy go nuts, insane, full of Star Trek celebrities, creators, writers, directors. We're doing something I don't think anybody has done before. We're doing a director's panel. And that director's panel, I mean, first of all, well, David Livingston, he's directed more Star Trek than anybody. And then you throw in people like David Carson, Jim Conway, David Livingston, Olatunde uh, Osunsanmi. Did I get that right? Close. I'm very, very close. Um, we have voice actors from Star Trek like Julianne Grossman, Fred Tattashore, Bonnie Gordon, and Jack McBrayer. Come on. I mean, even if you haven't seen him in Lower Decks, You've seen him on 30 Rock, and he's great. Uh, we have a writer's panel with Brandon Braga, Andre Bermanas, Jerry Taylor, Brian Fuller. Uh, there, I, it Just so many awesome people. Our guest stars appearances, John Delancey, Jonathan DeLarco, Ed Begley Jr., James... <laughs> to me. I'm so glad he's involved. I know. James Cromwell, Elizabeth Dennehy. This is a crazy lineup, and it is great, and it all supports Hofoco, Hollywood Food Coalition. So here's what you do. On the 15th, at noon, you can either go to trektalks.net, T-R-E-K-T-A-L-K-S.net, trektalks.net, or just join us where you normally would. You've got the Roddenberry Facebook page. You've got the Roddenberry YouTube channel. You've got the Trek Geeks YouTube page, the uh, Trek Geeks Facebook page. We're going to be multicasting in all of these places. Just to clarify, though, noon, noon what? Noon Pacific. Pacific. Noon Pacific to 7 p.m. Um it's going to be great. This panel is going to be short because we got a lot of people, but it's going to be fun and it's all for a great cause. So uh, don't delay. Mark your calendars. Hang out. If you can just join us for a little bit and you have to go away and come back, that's fine too. We'll still be here for you. So uh, it'll be awesome. There you go. Yay. That's all you need to know. TrekTalks.net to get the full list. And we're going to be releasing more and more names and panel descriptions fast and furious over the next several days. And maybe more hours. <laughs> I know. I, it might be. Okay, look, I whittled it down from eight hours to seven hours. All right. <laughs> so we're doing okay. No, it's great. The, yeah. the, there's so many of, of, you know, the Star Trek world wants to be involved. It's fantastic. It's going to be like, uh, John Delancey, you're great as Q. Thanks for coming by. And now, uh, <laughs> James Cromwell, hey, uh, you're great in Babe, and you're great in Star Trek First Contact. And- That'll do, pig. <laughs> exactly. That's it. This whole thing. All right. Back to the show and standing by from the lower decks, as he so often does, it is our old friend, Alan. Alan, how are you doing tonight? You guys booked Badgie? I mean, we booked Badgie! <laughs> yeah! Can you believe it? I know. That's awesome. It's so cool. I hope yeah. he doesn't kill us all. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you run that risk, but... We do. Know. Just get the safety protocols back up. You should be good to go. There you go. (laughs) Alan, what is on your mind tonight, sir? Well, happy new year, guys. Uh, It's great to be here. I 
you know, I hate, uh, again, I think I've said this before, so I hate to be a broken record about being a broken record, but <laughs> man, another great episode. I, you know what? I, I, I have to admit, the first two episodes of the season, I was not into it. And you probably remember I came on to Mission Log Live, uh, my first show of this season of live, and I was just like... I'm not feeling it. I'm I, I'm not happy with the whole into the universe thing again. I'm not happy with the the way they're doling out the action or the character reveals. It is not clicking for me. The last two episodes, and, and even before that, the la- last three, because I thought we had an interesting moral conundrum in uh, the one previous to last week. They've grabbed me much more, and I was just so thankful for the change of pace and the dialogue here. It oh, really yeah. resonated with me. Yeah, I, you know, uh, yeah, th- this felt like a very well put together episode. Um, I have to say that for me, the back and forth between Burnham and Stamets, the the, the dueling arguments worked for me the first time every time. Like that oh. was stylistically something that I thought was very clever and that sort of really resonated with me um, because they're both, in a way, uh, kind of arguing uh, t- to towards the same end. It's an argument towards trust. You know, mm-hmm. Burnham is saying, trust the process, trust the system, you know, trust our ideals and our values. And Stamets is saying, you know, Zora, you you want us to trust you. You have to trust us too. You, mm-hmm. you have to trust that we're doing that we're you know we're 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 not children here, Zora. <laughs> uh, you know you got to trust that 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 we're going to to do this the right way. And luckily, you know uh, the the two sort of arguments dovetailed really well because in the end, it feels like. Uh, potentially at least officially uh they are going to do the right thing the quote-unquote right thing Mm -hmm. you know they're they're proceeding the star trek way but Mm -hmm. what is the right thing right because a lot of these like ethical conundrums and there's two going on in this episode and star trek's always been really great at that i mean like i don't mean to bring tuvix into it but tuvix uh you know like measure (laughs) of a man like there are these There are these ethical conundrums that Star Trek presents where like you can genuinely see both sides of this. And I I do not envy Burnham and that like because she's in the ethical conundrum that is a lot more personal, too, because like literally her boyfriend, the person that she is in love with Mm -hmm. is is disagreeing with her. And I mean, arguably for good reason, too. Right. So like this is this is something that Star Trek has always done really well. And like. the ethical conundrums i always get stuck on like well i see both sides i don't know what that's why i don't really have an opinion on two picks i'm like well well, i think that's that's what's really cool about how this episode is played out is that they've earned the positions of their arguments you know by stamets saying it, it was very dismissive but he did it for a good reason when stamets says to adira and gray hey you weren't here when we battled control control right yeah like like we've been through that we know what happens when ai runs amok so that so that was an earned thing for him to be in the position that he's in and then you go to book the dude lost his entire planet 
his mm-hmm. position is completely earned. You, you absolutely get why he's coming from where he's coming from. Uh, also, I love your point, Holly, that Tarka is just purely selfish. <laughs> no, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yeah. Still love yeah. the character, fully willing to admit his motivation is super questionable. Yeah, yeah. But but the the positions that they've arrived at, they aren't just like, okay, we're going to have the mustache twirling villain just to have the opposing side. It's like, no, no, the, the opposing side here actually has a point. Um, but I do think that we've arrived at the better positions for better reasons. And okay. and I look, coming up on the end of DS9 here, when Burnham starts making this plea for we have to work for the future that we want to live in. I'm like, yes, that this is the Star Trek yeah. speech I wanted to hear, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fanfare. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, there... the ethical conundrums, though, like really mess me up. How do you, what would you? I, I like to think of you as a person what, of high, high ethical values, Holly. I think you have a decent Ooh. ethical center. I don't say that I, I'm not saying that I don't. <laughs> I'm saying I don't know how to make a decision. And, you know, if you have a, a personal connection to any of these things, what some of these characters do, and that's what their motivation is, is where their motivation is coming from. But, yeah. you know, as, as an outside viewer, like, John, what side were you taking? If you had to vote, Mm-hmm. This is a good question. If you guys had to vote, what would you would have voted for in terms of like the DMA? Science and diplomacy, hundred percent. Not oh, okay. e- not even a question. Yeah. Hands up, baby. Hands yeah. up. Yeah, hands Real? up. Okay. That's right. Okay. <laughs> but but I, I but mean, look, but but the other side, they have a point. They do. Yeah. But Absolutely. I mean, so does Burnham. Her yeah. her argument about like all these other things that happen, you know, this species eats a bunch of this species because they're growing and it's not meant to be malicious. Mm-hmm. Like this is just and like our cultural norms say that this is malicious, but it, like it's not. And we have to. Th- so like I don't disagree with her. And that was a really great point. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe we're, we just don't understand whoever created this, whatever species it is. Uh, you know, we just don't understand them from from our vantage point. Um, well, and that's the thing. You're, you're battling a lack of information and you can't make good decisions if you don't have good information. Yeah. So, re- look, right. Even, she talks about even the Klingon if, war, too, like she understood the Klingons. Right, right, right. And, and even if by the end of the season, there has to be a showdown, there has to be some yeah. weapons involved. I think you can only do that when you understand what you're getting into. And here you've got Tarka and Book just like, hey, let's blow it up. Yeah. If, <laughs> <You know? laughs> if we get if we get to the end of the season and the ten C are totally, you know, bad dudes and yeah. things, you know, if we have to blow that thing up to stop them, then I guess that's what we gotta do. But I think we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to to subspace to 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 give it a shot who's who's got money on gary mitchell who's who's got money on anybody past the galactic barrier yeah i i saw uh, one hand there yeah yeah. okay what what were those Uh cube guys from 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 uh tos Ooh, the uh the the kelvins yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. there's listen the writers (laughs) of discovery have so much material (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> choose from it could be a plethora of things and i'm very much looking forward to what the reveal is and i hope i'm not disappointed yeah. alan 
Thank you so, so much. Yeah. We got two more folks to get to, and I cannot sure. wait to hear what they have to say. So we'll say goodnight for now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I'm, if I may, John, um, mm-hmm. big ups, uh, to, uh, the end of the, the end of the episode, the scene with Kovic and Stamets, you guys are on, uh, Deep, you know, in the end of Deep Space Nine, an episode recently uh, had the the line, you know, those who study evil are studied by evil. I don't think it's evil in this case. I think it's knowledge that's studying ah, knowledge. Uh-huh. And it also reminds me very much of your brilliant breakdown of the <laughs> the. You know, sorry, I hate to you know brown nose, but you know, oh no, no, bring, bring it, bring it. <laughs> Your analysis of the meaning behind the measure of a man is one of the things that really, you know, hooked me 100% into Mission Log. And, you know, the fact that, no, Stamets, you're the one who I was evaluating. Ah, yes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Uh, uh, Compliment greatly appreciated because that, that episode still resonates with me. And that is something that I had in my notes is like, that was the measure of a man moment right there. So thank you very much. All right, my friend, cheers. Cheers. And uh, till next time. Yes. Till next time. All right. (laughs) And uh, hey, also calling from a wintry location. Paul. God, everybody's in the snow. I'm really sorry, you guys. Uh, yeah, no, we're used to it. I want to yeah. see. I, Holly, I'd love to see you shoveling snow. That would be fun. I, uh, I straight up almost, I mean, there's, there's like ring camera, like video, I'm sure, of me walking down these stairs and just like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Like, oh, no. I didn't did fall. You? I did okay. not fall, but my feet came out from underneath me on every single step. Oh no! Um, I did oh, not no. fall in the snow. I did not have to shovel any of it. I was fine. Good, but yeah. I, yeah. well, I had to shovel. But hey, you I'm know, sorry. It's, it's the way it goes. We're used to it here. Two I, days clean. Have a good time in the snow. It's fine. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. Um, I'm going to be quick. I just, you know, if you guys hit so many great points. Alan is always. He just. That last comment about I I see uh, Stamets is like the hero here, actually putting forth the logic as to what's going on here and why. And he actually convinces computer to change. Mm -hmm. He's a hero in this episode. And Cronenberg, I think, is probably who is having the dream that we're witnessing. So. I think if anybody's having a dream here, it's Cronenberg. And then that's good. um, Two more quick points before we get to Sherry. One is the challenge that, you know, Chris just put out for himself verbally is at Vegas next year. How are you going to be Zora? Let's see it, Chris. (laughs) Uh, Wow. His cosplay as Zora will be something Mm -hmm. to behold. We're not sure if it's detached pylons or not wow well i mean she's got the she has the interface yeah yeah interface your your first caller was sort of zora you know with the little Mm, yeah yeah with the little the little leds at the right yeah that's a good point (laughs) so chris you got you got six or eight months here to get ready um (laughs) you've done it to yourself again could could he put it on a plastic barrier and just put it in front of his face if covid is still a Mm, thing mm, that would work too yeah. yeah, that would work too. I like that. <laughs> Final point is to Holly, and I, you know somebody's going to ask you this question: Is it Tarka or Bashir? Straight up. Oh, oh Bashir, listen. <laughs> I don't but, know. You're falling in love, girl. You're you're falling yeah. off the ledge. Listen. You had seen this before, I'm sure. So let's let's you know maybe get 
All right, Bob. but to be fair, like the actor who plays Tarka, I've never met him. I've never had any action. Uh, it, action. Oh, <laughs> oh hello. Oh, Calling oh, Dr. Oh, Freud. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I have <clears throat> met Sid and he's fantastic and i love him and i all my yeah, loyalty there's is, room you know there's there's options i got all leave my it loyalty though. is to julian Bashir. my apologies tarka okay well we'll see if he shows up in vegas next year and uh oh, you know, no. I, before we get to you know with sherry coming on and i know how she likes relation i think she's the one who likes relationships the, the budding relationship between saru and his little vulcan friend there i think is absolutely phenomenal isn't that adorable it's just cute here's a plant i love it i oh <laughs> go in fact your planet with this plant. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I was like, anything... are, we, are we allowed to be putting plants from one? Are we like, we can't even do that here. I can't even burn wood from one place to another place. <laughs> well, are we allowed anything to just... like, no, if it's like Plant. driving back into California, then they just wave you through. They don't, so you know, they don't check. <laughs> so, yeah, but maybe you check back on Navarre in a hundred years, and it's just overgrown with this Caminar uh, oh, yeah. plant that won't die. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I think they're adorable. I, I love it because it, it, it's not. You, you know, for a show that has overplayed its drama many times, this is a moment of subtlety. And it just feels very natural and good for them. And it comes to Doug Jones and his acting chops. Mm-hmm. He's just phenomenal. He's a All right, I'm going to let you guys transfer over to Cherie. Um, All right. Happy 2022. Hey, happy new year, Paul. Happy Take new year. Care, see, my friend. You, uh, see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. See you then, man. Bye. Bye. All right. And rounding out the show tonight, it's our old friend Cherie wearing the Ritos shirt well, representing. You got the disco <laughs> shirt. I feel so underdressed. I have a disco now. background and a Ritos shirt. Yeah. Oh, I feel <laughs> I'm on so the wrong ship. It's like what happened to uh, the cat doctor that one time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love her. I, I sent my dad a meme that was. Um, why, why, uh, Tiana, yeah, D- Dr. Yeah, Tiana. Tiana. Uh, and it was uh, in sick bay, and she goes, uh, uh, Oh, I, I've got some bad news and some worse news. The bad news is this patient only has 24 hours to live. The worst news, I was supposed to tell him that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I sent that to my dad, the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic bedside manner. Yes, so good. I love her. And I love that every time we see Tana, it's, there's always something bleeped. You know, you're always filling it in in your head, but there's always something bleeped, and it's just perfect. Sheree, what is on your mind tonight about disco? I was right about Zora. The last yeah. Time I uh, called in and I was like, I think Zora's going to say no to a command. I was thinking about you when I was watching it. I was like, oh, it's like, she I was, was right. right. And I was right that it wasn't like a belligerent thing. She wasn't becoming an evil robot or anything. It's because she legitimately cares and she's concerned. I thought it might be like an ethical quandary, but that makes sense, too. Like she wants to protect them. And she's like, well, I don't want you to go gallivanting off trying to yourselves in trouble (laughs) well and you know if you think about it star trek specifically in its 50 plus years and uh science fiction in general has had this very uneasy relationship with technology that goes too far particularly with artificial intelligence science fiction is filled with stories where the ai goes nuts and you know if I, I mentioned Hal earlier, two thousand one. There were so many shades of that. Even just hearing Zora sing 
at the end of the last episode, I was like, oh, it's Daisy Daisy all over again. <laughs> that, that's what's going on here, you know. But no, I, I like the idea of taking this to a much more interesting place, which is hyper-intelligent, hyper-analytical, hyper-logical, but when you temper it with this compassion and emotional understanding, what do you get? And is that something we'd actually want that could be beneficial? And then they came up with the right solution. She's now a crew member. She works yeah. with us, not for us. I Do we not great. think that maybe her motivation for not giving the coordinates was be like the danger? Like she says it was because she was she's trying to protect the mm-hmm. the crew. And that's, you know, rainbows and butterflies. But mm-hmm. it's also could it be self-preservation, too, because if they go somewhere super dangerous and the ship gets destroyed, so does oh, she. Oh, yeah. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. I just don't feel like hmm. if you didn't strike me, though, as a type to like have used subterfuge i feel like if she was also trying to protect herself i feel like she would just say say so well think about you know but she she is at the level of a human right now she can contradict herself she can lie can but Mm. i'm really throwing her under the bus you are you you hate zora i don't i don't get that (laughs) sense from her character like i don't think she's lying although i do feel like maybe uh kovich's character puts a little bit too much shots like i think what does he know like, you, don't, you don't get that sense from people who also do terrible things like mm. there are so many times where somebody does a terrible thing and you're like i would not have pegged them for doing something so terrible but they did it they did something terrible I mean, if anything, you know, we saw we saw Zora last week when they were leaving that subspace bubble that they were in. You know, here was Zora that needed some motivation to just do the job, but then did the job and, you know, protected the other people on board, was getting beat up on the way out. Uh, so the, there yeah. is like a level of courage to what Zora does, too. So... Yeah, that's a pretty uh, good precedent yeah, for it. So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know what There's we'll see there. down the road. Yeah. But that could also be a very good resource because then you've got a computer that can look analytically at everything around it with much more detail than a human could provide the information, but then also make a recommendation. You know, it could say like, well, okay, you're seeing the data here, but let me give you my gut feeling. <laughs> you know, it becomes one more resource for the captain. In that case, I do feel like they missed though a character development opportunity. I would have loved it. For one, why is it only Stamets, Colbert, Adira, and Gray who get to decide this huge thing about like whether or not I know I don't I know that Kovic is involved, but why is no one else in the crew involved, including Michael? About mm-hmm. like, okay, is this okay? Like, like nobody else is involved. I would have loved it. This would have been a perfect character development moment for them to bring in like the secondary bridge crew characters and see how they feel about it because that's that's like a really quick way to see how somebody kind of processes stuff to see like which side they were on like if somebody if other people maybe sided with Samets and were like yeah this freaks us out we don't feel comfortable with this and then like other ones were like no no we agree with like Colbert and stuff like we we think that you know it should be up to Zora yeah I mean I I think the only good thing the only sort of way out of that is to say that okay ultimately Kovic has the authority here and he just said it like I, I can unplug her I can do whatever I want here so if he's willing to hear out Saru, Stamets, 
Colbert to a lesser extent, and also Adira and Gray. Cool. He's he's getting some information, and he's also hearing from the person who presumably is the most against. Do you we know. know what COVID does? Because it is not clear to me. I've watched. Doesn't matter. Episodes. Doesn't he's David Cronenberg? Doesn't matter. Does, yeah. Doesn't yeah, matter. That, 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 that seems like <laughs> he's, he's a doctor. COVID's job is to be Cronenberg, and it's like that's fine. He's a, he's a cool character, but it's like yes. it's like he's been a therapist. He's been mm-hmm. part of the the like Listen, academy. He's he is a like, jack of all trades character, <laughs> and maybe the writers hadn't decided at this point what they were going to do with him. Yeah. <laughs> Like we need something. Yeah, Brandon. No, it, no, hundred percent. It was just because David Cronenberg was in the neighborhood. It's available. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Like I said, he's a cool character. It's just like it should. They should lean into it, though. They should. That should be part of the joke. It's like it's like what do you do? And it's just he just doesn't answer the question. <laughs> See, I, I I get the impression that he's somebody who has a lot more power than anybody lets on by like even you know vance was deferential we haven't really had much between uh president Rillick and uh and david cronenberg but i hope that we will because i i just get the feeling it, look i i don't want to go this way. i'm so sick and tired of section 31 i i hope they're all gone but I, I do have this Cronenberg now section Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Oh, God. thank you. Thank you. You solved it. Yes. You just redeemed the whole thing. Give, give him all the intelligence and uh, the power that he needs in that case. Shree, that is a perfect place to end the show tonight. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, thank you. Thank you everybody who stayed a couple of minutes over with us. Uh, Holly, thank you as always. And uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll come back in a few weeks and do this all over again. We sure will. All right. Excellent. Thank you, everybody. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log Live and Mission Log provided by the incorruptible Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry podcasts. And if you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everybody who joined us live or later. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you again soon. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.